Well, good morning. It's good to see most of you. Well, all right, I got to get moving shortly because I got a lot to say in a little bit of time because, you know, I come down and he gives me 18 minutes to speak, you know, he's like, okay, now listen, we got to be, you preached three times this morning, by the way, I'm just telling you, okay? This is, the, the great thing about this is I come down, I get to preach, and I get to do a little Keith roast while I'm here. So, anyhow, hey, listen, I got a question for you. Who can tell me, I got a question, who can tell me who Shifra and Pua are in the Bible. Don't be Googling. Don't be looking at your electronic Bibles. You got, I'm going to count to ten. Anybody tell me? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. See, you're just like every other church I've ever shared this in. Nobody knows who they are, but when I mention who they are, you're going to say, oh, yeah. They're the two Hebrew midwives in Exodus chapter 1. I have asked this question all over the place, and nobody ever can tell me who they are. I have a good friend in Buffalo, New York. His name is Bishop Tommy Reed. I believe he preached here once for you. He's 90 years old, been in the ministry forever, knows all the who's who's. And I asked him one day, I said, Bishop, how many messages have you ever heard on the midwives in Exodus chapter 1? He says, you know, he said, I don't know, Jim. He said, I'm sure I've heard, this is how he does, I'm sure I've heard one someone. I just can't recall any. And uh, he said, but I don't recall any. And so, uh, I'm going to preach to you a message today out of Exodus chapter 1, and we're going to call it, um, let's see, you see, what do you see? What, oh, let me turn this on. I got my own clicker today. I got my own button. Uh, I'm supposed to be done by 10. I feel like Jimmy Valvano at the SB speech. Remember that? He says, I'm looking at the back. He says, they got a screen saying in 30 seconds. He says, like, I got tumors all over my body. Like, I care what that screen says. <laughs> so I, gotta, I just ignore that screen. How about that? You know, let me tell you what, wasn't that a great testimony he had on the, on the money? Wasn't that a great testimony? That was a great testimony of God's faithfulness. He told Jolie, he said, I think I should celebrate and go golf. <laughs> so we did. We went and golfed yesterday morning. He had that great testimony. Forgot his wallet. Guess who paid for golf? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know how you're making that up. So, all right, let me see. We got this thing working. Okay, let me back up. We got, we got a title scroll. Where, where'd it go, Jonathan? Am I messing this up? Oh, oh, so that, okay, I'm good. I'm with you. All right. So let me talk to you about this for a moment. 2013, I'm, it's December of 2013. I preach a message on the spirit of Christmas. And I didn't mean like joy and all that stuff. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, about how the Holy Spirit comes upon human flesh at the time of uh, birthing Jesus, to impregnate Mary, to birth Jesus into the world. And I was talking about how the Holy Spirit still does that. As a matter of fact, the word in Acts where the Holy Spirit came upon them is the same word that when the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. And he did that in the book of Acts to birth something that God was birthing into the world, and that was to birth the, the church of Jesus Christ, right? And we know he did that. So at the end of that, I'm talking, so I talk to the people about being spiritually pregnant, where God drops a seed in you that's in you to birth something. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. So at the end of that, I prayed for people. A lady came up to me, and she said, pray for me. She says, I know I have been pregnant, and God has put things in me, but I haven't birthed them. She said, would you pray for me? I said, yeah. So I'm praying for her, and in that prayer, I said two things that were kind of strange for me. One, I said, you know, you need to hang out with more pregnant people. I said, they just, they, you need to hang out with people who get it. 
because you're hanging out with people who don't get it, who don't understand what it is to carry the weight of something, to carry the burden of that, and to walk with that for a season. You need to hang around with some more pregnant people. Secondly, I said, you need to identify who your midwives are. And I'm like, huh? What? Okay. So I prayed for her. I went home, and I sat down. I said, Lord, what's that midwife thing about? So I got into the scripture, and I found these two women, Shifra and Puah, Exodus chapter 1. And I sat there, and I thought, oh, because here's what happened the week before. People left there who may not have been spiritually pregnant ever in their life. God hadn't put something in there. They left there defeated and discouraged. But here's the deal. They weren't to be the pregnant. They were to be the midwife. They were those who were come alongside of those who were spiritually pregnant. And so I came back and I preached the next week, the midwife, and preached all about them. And so today, here's what I want to do. I want to speak a little bit on this because here's the deal. You guys, God has selected to birth something out of this church into this community, all right? And we're going to talk about that for a few moments. I'm going to talk fast. I'm going to talk quick. I'm going to say things that some of you won't like. That's okay. I get to go back home. And Keith can deal with you. Let's read the scripture. Exodus chapter 1. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. He said, look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous, and if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. How many know the enemy always is afraid of God's people becoming mighty and multiplying? So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pithom and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and work them ruthlessly. How many know oppression never hinders the church? The church always grows in oppression. The church always grows under the oppression of the enemy. It just always does. It always has. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one whose name was Shifra. And the other was named Pua. And by the way, had somebody here said, I know who they are, you would have won a free T-shirt. I informed Pastor Keith of that a little bit ago. Shifra and Pua. And he said, when you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the burstal, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it is a daughter, then he shall live. she shall live. Think about this for a moment. The last thing the enemy ever wants is for godly men to reproduce godly men. Don't ever forget that. So what they do, I'm going to kill the babies, but we're going to keep the women, and now they can have a mixture in Israel. God doesn't want that either. But the midwives feared God, and they did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them. But, he let, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing and let the boys live? They said, they kind of, how many of you kind of tell a little bit of a lie? Right? They said, because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife can get to them. So God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very mighty. Because the midwives feared God, he established households for them of their own. So, Father, we ask you this morning to be here. Father, we ask you to give me the right words to share, that we can look at this and say, okay, there is a pregnancy in the spirit realm. There is a pregnancy in this house. And that, Father, we would look at it and we would say, you know what? I have a place. I'm, I'm part of this. Um, that we would rise up and say, I'm a midwife to help birth what God is putting on the scene. So, Father, we ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's talk about this for a few moments. First of all, how many of God is always in the business of birthing a people to be mighty? 
He's always birthing people. He's, that's what he's done ever since the beginning. First of all, how many know he determined to birth a people through Adam and Eve? It was God's idea. Let us create man. Let us create man in our image. Let them roll over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air. He gave him authority. He gave him dominion. He gave him blessing. This was his plan, and that man shouldn't die. But how many know we sinned and brought that in? That was always his plan. God determined to save a people through Noah and his sons. Aren't you glad he didn't start, decide to start over? Like God just said, you know what? They screwed it all up. Let's scrap this humanity, and let's just start over. But God said, no, I'm going to redeem it. Man, you got to love God. He determined to birth a nation to himself through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? This is who he said they would be. Even in captivity while they were in Egypt, under oppression, God continued to birth a people for himself. They kept multiplying. I've been, to the, I've been in the church in China where they oppress it. They <laughs> can't stop them. That place is crazy. They love God so much. One of the greatest experiences of my life was to be in Hong Kong with 5,000 people. We did a conference. We'd preach. You'd say amen, and they, you, you wouldn't even do an altar call. they just flood the altar. 95% of the people at that conference were from mainland China where the, where the gospel was, isn't allowed to be preached. And they were set free. And the pageantry and the passion and, the, and what they had for God was absolutely amazing. We prayed for an hour with people. They'd take their hand and put it on their shoulder, put it on their kid's shoulder. you, you got to step around people, over people. It was amazing. And that's a church that's being oppressed. God multiplies his people even in oppression. This is what he did when they were in Egypt. And so, but, but here's what happens. Well, when, God, when God determines to birth, the enemy determines to destroy. How I many you know that he's always looking to destroy what God is birthing? He cannot give life. The enemy cannot give life. He cannot birth something. God is the author of life. And he's always looking to destroy. Even in captivity, God was multiplying a people for himself. But the enemy of his people sought to destroy what God was birthing. But the midwife said, not on my watch. We will birth the baby. And this is what I'm going to say to you right off the bat. This skull that is going to get birthed out of this church. Oh, by the way, Pastor Keith said, if you're this in your home, they're not asking you to give. <laughs> we want you to give anyhow. Okay? Just, just, I'll do what he will do. If you say it's your home, I don't care. Give to the skull anyhow. All right. Praise God. I got no problem. I got no problem. I would never ask for money for myself, but I have never probably had a problem asking for money for a God-given vision, ever. This house needs to say, everyone needs to say, not on my watch, we're going to birth the baby. But I promise you, it's already been trying to be destroyed. And if it can't be destroyed, listen to me, and what the enemy cannot destroy, he will pollute. The enemy cannot destroy marriage. And so what he has done with marriage in our land is he has come in and he has polluted it. If I can't destroy it, then I'll get it to be as two men and a woman. I'll get it to a, dog, a guy and his cat. He'll come in and he'll pollute it. So always remember that. What's a midwife? It's a person trained to assist women in childbirth. A person or thing that helps to bring something into being or assists in its development. Bring something into being. When God births something into the world, he always does it through people. That's just what he does. In June of 2013, as I understand it, CWC was given a prophetic word about the creation of a skull. At that time, the seed was planted, and the baby has been in the womb ever since. And now is the moment. And now is the time for that baby to be birthed. It's now is the time. 
This is the time. It's amazing, isn't it? Sometimes God drops something in your spirit. We're talking almost 10 years later. We're talking nine years later, finally. Man, you ladies got to go nine months. This has been nine years. This baby's ready to be born. All right? So now, and there will be enemy opposition to destroy it while it's in the womb, on the birthing stool, or post-birth, as long as he can destroy it. The Bible shows us pictures of that in Revelation where he was waiting to destroy the child that would be born. I mean, when Jesus was born, they, they, that Herod was looking to destroy that baby who was birthed into the world. When that church was born in the book of Acts, they were trying to destroy it because he always wants to destroy it. If he can destroy it in the womb, it never gets birthed. If it gets birthed and I can destroy it before it comes to fruition, great. That's what he does. There will be enemy opposition. It will come from places you can't imagine. It will come from inside. It will come from outside. It will come, come at leaders. That's what it does. God is looking for midwives who will assist him to bring into being what he has ordained in the womb. This isn't, this isn't Pastor Keith or Jolie's or the board's baby. This is God's baby. That God has said, this is what I want birth. I'm going to birth it through you, but this is what I want. And so I want to talk to you about a few things. Many ministries have failed to birth what God put in the womb. Because of the lack of midwives who have character and competence. Let me tell you a few stories real quick. We, I've been in my church uh, forever, 24 years now, I think it is. Going on 24 years, all right? This crazy church, they took a guy at 30-some years of age, never pastored a day in his life, and then just said, we think you're to be the pastor. That was faith, I got to tell you. But I've been there, and the Lord has allowed us to do some things in our city that he put in our heart, that he wanted to do. One of those was in 2005, we went on the other side of the city uh, into the lower Fairview area. We took an abandoned, condemned church building, which was sitting on the corner of 16th Avenue and 11th Street. Now, you understand, our church is on the other side of the city. It's on the nice side of the city. And that's where our church is. But God called us to take that building, to restore it, redeem it. It was, had a condemned sign on it. It was condemned by the city. It was, actually, it was signed by one of my elders. That is so cool. I remind him every once in a while, you know you condemned that building. And it was condemned. We needed $1.3 million to redo this building, to put a ministry center in there, to do all kinds of stuff on that side of the city, to be a 24-7 presence of the kingdom of God in that neighborhood. We needed $1.3 million. We didn't have a nickel to our name to do it. We had a church meeting and said, you know, this is what we want to do. This is what we have, da 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 Of those who showed up, it was a 100% vote to do the project. Now, I want to tell you something. I've never had a 100% vote before that, and I have not had a 100% vote since then. But in that moment, we had a 100% vote. We started that project, didn't know where the money was going to come from. One of my elders says, Pastor, I'm with you. I believe in this vision, but I got to ask you, where's the money coming from? And I gave him that great faith-filled answer, I don't know. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> if I knew where the money was coming from and I had a plan, I didn't need no faith. I don't know, man. I just know what God's called us to do. I'll never forget. We, would, we, we, we did our first offering for that building, May 10th of 2007. And we needed to put a roof on. We cleaned it. You got to understand. You got to understand. It was a dump. It should have been torn down. The only thing salvageable was the outside walls. All the copper had been stolen for drug money. Makeshift bedrooms in the place. Water damage. But God said, this is it. And, and, and people said, why don't you tear it down and build a new one? I said, because that's not redemption. I want a tangible demonstration of redemption. The cornerstone of that building says redeemed, 2009. You see, and, and we started that project, and they came to me and said, okay, we got everything cleaned out. We can't do any further until we put a roof on. I said, okay, how much do we need? We need 75000 
Great. When are we putting it on? Well, we don't have the money. I said, didn't ask that. When are we putting it on? Well, we don't have the money. I said, didn't ask that. When are we putting the roof on? Give me a date. We'll put it on at the end of July. This was May. I said, okay, a month from now, we're going to receive an offering. And we're going to set a goal of $30,000. Didn't know how much we'd raise. They said, where's the rest coming from? Don't know. Listen, when don't know is a good answer, give it. <laughs> God knows. I don't need to know. God knows. So we cast vision for a month. We took that offering, and our people gave $76,000 that day. It, it was a defining moment. It was a defining moment that said the people were in it. God was in it. How many of you ever hear this? That was so easy. God must have really been in it. I don't know about you, but most of the stuff I've done that God has been in has not been easy. Have you read the scripture? Have you read the battles God's people go through? Where do we get some of this theology? Oh, it was easy. God was in it. Hmm. Then we come back and we did a two-year capital campaign. I said, I can't keep coming to you for an offering. As we set up another goal, our people committed that day to give 527000 over the next two years. It was an amazing thing that happened in that offering. These are the markers along the way. And I'm telling you, these, these are birthing stories. And I remember I preached a lot out of Hezekiah, or not Hezekiah, but um, Haggai and Zechariah. And it says, the gold belongs to me, the silver belongs to me. And I talked about how God would provide. In the offering that day were seven one-ounce gold medallions and seven-ounce silver ones. No name. Spot market price on the envelope. And I put them in a safe, and we kept them for two years, and they almost doubled. But I still to this day don't know where they came from, but to me it's a God marker. You see, there are God markers all along the way, and God birthed that thing. And, and then we, we did another thing at our church, and, the, and now most recently God has given us this vision, and, and it's, not with, it's called the Nehemiah Project. It's part of what we do. But well, we took this big, monstrous 77,655 square feet of energy-sucking space school. <sighs> Let me tell you the story. It's right elementary, just two blocks up from where we did this other place on the other side of the town. And I looked at this building, and I really thought one day we'd own it. One day we're going to own that building. And then it came up for sale, and then it went back off the market and came back up. And I went, and I looked at it, and walked around, and said, I ain't buying this building. It's too big. I don't want the stress. I don't want the headache. It's an albatross. It's going to be a nightmare. I don't want this. Boy, was I right. I was driving to New York. And I'm driving to New York, praying one day, and I'm thinking about it and thinking about that. And I'm flipping stations. And all of a sudden, I felt the Spirit of the Lord say, go back to that station. So I go back to that station. And I'm out there 30 seconds. And the guy reads the scripture out of the book of Joshua. How long are you going to put off taking possession of the land the Lord's giving you? <laughs> Click. <laughs> like, you got to be kidding. I know what it was. Like, oh. So I called the board of the Nehemiah Project, which is our other organization. I said, guys, we got to buy that building. So it's on the market for 140000 because there's not a lot of market, you know, a lot of buyers for a big monster building. So I said, offer them $100,000. They called me back. There's already a $100,000 offer on it. I said, huh? It sat there for a year. It's back there for a year. The day I go to make a $100,000 offer, there's already an offer on it. I need to know who. Find out. I need to know who. They called me back. Told me who. I said, oh, no. No, no, no. No, give them the asking price. Tell them I need six months to close. I don't have the money. They can't have it. This is for the glory of God, not Allah. 
it was a, it was a gentleman who was in charge of the Islamic Association was going to buy that building. And a lot of times they take those old schools and they turn them into Islamic training centers. I don't know if they would have done that or not. All I know is the day I finally said yes to God to buy the building, somebody else had an offer on it, and it was going to be for I don't know what purposes. All I know is we heard from God. Now, i got to still tell you, I wish I wouldn't have turned the radio on. <laughs> not everything we do and we're called to do, we're like, oh, yeah, this is great. Oh, this is fun. That building is nothing but a headache, but someday it'll come to pass that what God wants to birth out of it. And what God wants to birth out of it isn't a building, but it's a people. And, and so I'm talking to you about I know what it is to be to have to birth something. And I know what it is to have to have people come alongside that which God gives. I've got businessmen, businesswomen, they come alongside, and they are the midwives of what we're doing, okay? And it's not about Pastor Jim being pregnant. It's about the church being pregnant, okay? And, and so many ministries have failed because of the lack of midwives who have character and competence. Now, let me give you a few things about midwives, all right? First of all, midwives fear God, and they love him before anything else. The number one qualification to be a midwife who births the things of God, who come alongside leaders, who come alongside missions, who come alongside ministries. The number one thing, the number one qualifying factor is they fear God and love him before anything else. When I hire staff, I don't hire talent first. I hire spirit first. I don't care if you're talented. If you don't have the spirit of God, you don't love God, and you don't love people, you can't be on my staff. Talent can grow. It's hard to teach heart. It's hard to teach the right spirit. And so they, the, the, the scripture tells us that Pharaoh, who could have destroyed them, it says that they feared God more than Pharaoh. Second of all, midwives, they don't dictate what's in the womb. They deliver it. You know, when, when, when your wife is pregnant, you know, how many know you don't put your order in? Well, let me see. Let me get online. Let me get on the Amazon here. Let's see. Okay. This is what I want. I want this baby to have blonde hair, blue eyes, six foot three, be as good looking as Pastor Jim, and I want this, okay? Like, you, you, you don't put this order in, right? That, when you, and then when you go to the hospital, you don't go to a doctor who then says, oh, no, I'm not delivering that baby because I've been able to tell it's not like I want it to be. It's not like I want it to be, therefore I'm not going to help you birth it. Or I'm only going to birth it if you do it this way. That's manipulation, and it's, a, it's not God. I remember my granddaughter was born, like probably one of the top ten dates on the U.S. calendar. But you understand, we, we buried our son on Wednesday morning. Thirty hours later and wee hours of Friday morning, our first grandchild's coming. And there was some trouble in the delivery, and we were all in that part before the baby actually came, because once the baby started coming, I'm out, right? But we're in there, and there's trouble, and there's stress, and the baby's stressed, and, and there's different things going on. And we had this doctor in Johnstown, Dr. Kazami, probably you somebody know him, great doctor, and he's like doing his stuff. And I'm like, okay, I buried one kid this week, you know, okay, all right. And he's doing it, he's looking at something, and he goes, what's the score of the Pens game? Like, I'm going to say, dude, I don't care what the Pens game is. <laughs> Birth my grandbaby. But you don't go to the doctor, and the doctor say, this is what I'll do. I'll only birth it if it's what I want to be in the womb. When you're a midwife, and you come alongside a ministry, you come alongside a leader, you come alongside a pastor, you're not dictating what's in the womb. Neither is that person. Neither is the one. Neither is the leader. We try our best to birth what God is putting in there. 
Midwives work for the benefit of both the mother and the baby. How many know it's, it's, not a, it's not a real success if only one survives? But it works for both. It works for the health of the baby. It works for the health of the mother. You see, when you come alongside a vision that's given to a house and given to a ministry, you're coming alongside and saying, I want the baby to be born strong, and I want the mother to be strong, and I want the house to be strong. Midwives possess character. Okay? They don't steal the baby when it's born. I mean, you hear, hear those stories. They don't steal what's born. They don't take it for themselves. It doesn't become theirs. They give it back to the mother because it belongs to her. They have character. They can be trusted. They're loyal. Midwives have competence. I mean, no, you don't want a bad doctor. You don't want somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. If you, want, if, you, if you want to get some drywall done well, get Pastor Keith to do it. It's true. Don't get Julie to do it. If you want somebody to sing well, get Julie. Don't get Pastor Keith. If you want to make a putt on 17, get Ryan, not Keith. Right? you got to have competent. So, so what you do is you have skilled, competent men that God has given the competency to. Right? But listen to me. Let me talk to you for a moment. There's so many times a disconnect in the, in the church world between the midwives and the, the leaders, if you will. Because let me say this to you, and can I just say it like, like really nice, like because I'm really sweet? It's going to sound so bad. Just because you're a successful businessman don't mean you can pastor the church. Pretty blunt, wasn't it? I, I took a gentleman out one time, love him to death. He's still really vital part of our ministry. And I sat him down. I said, Look, we got to talk. I said, Here's the deal. I love you. You love me. You have things that we've given you to, to do on a professional level in your field. How many times have I asked you about them? How many times have I told you what to do with them? Huh? How many times? Have I? None. I said, That's right. I said, Because I treat you because you're a professional in what you do. But you don't return that professional courtesy. I am a professional at what I do. I am called to this. I don't need you to do this, 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 and this. I need you to use your gifts, your skills, and what God has given to you to help us birth what God wants to birth. Come. Uh, midwives rejoice. Come on. The baby's born. They're happy. They're rejoicing, right? They're not like, ah, oh, stinking baby's born. I gotta... No, they're happy. Midwives cooperate. What are they doing? They are cooperating with God at his timing. Listen to me. If God gave me the vision to put this skull on the earth nine years ago, I'd have been trying to do it eight years ago. I'm down telling you how I work, right? But it's at his timing to reveal what has been in the womb for a season. There's a revelation comes to the world because midwives come along and say, now's the time. We're going to birth this thing. We're going to bring a revelation. This school is to be a revelation of what it is to have kids raised up with a biblical worldview. But how many know we need a biblical worldview right now? And that has nothing, and, and that's not, let me say this, and that's nothing negative towards those who choose to stay in public school. Praise God, we need a witness in the public school. But there's also a place to raise up a remnant who has a biblical worldview that is opposite the spirit of the world. Midwives, the Bible says that the people became exceedingly mighty because of what they did. Exceeding, the Bible says, exceedingly mighty for what they did. Hmm. Imagine how the midwives obeyed Pharaoh and they killed every son that was born. 
it would have weakened Israel. It would have weakened Israel dramatically. They would have never been able to do what they did later. It would have weakened them. Midwives are rewarded for birthing what God has placed in another by birthing something in them. Many people believe that midwives were barren women who didn't have homes. But the Bible says that because they did this, God gave them homes of their own. When you will birth in another, God will ultimately plant a seed in you to birth something out of you. I believe that with all of my heart. I have seen men and women who've come along visions, who've come along dreams, who've come along what God has given to a church, and they have helped birth that only to later on, God say, I'm going to birth something through you. But those who don't, it doesn't happen. See, what you, and let me tell you this to you. What you help to birth in one generation may just be the thing that helps to deliver another generation. So I'm going to close with a man named Moses. You see, there was a baby named Moses who would later become a deliverer named Moses. These midwives said, no, no, not on our watch. This baby's going to be born. We're going to birth these babies. We're not going to kill these babies. We're not going to do what you want to do, Pharaoh. We're not going to submit ourselves to the spirit of this world. No, we're going to birth this baby. And they're going to birth him. And they birthed him. How many know he ended up then being put into the bulrushes? Because his parents saw what? He was no ordinary child. Isn't that funny? His parents noticed he was no, three times it says that about him, that he was no ordinary child. Says it in Exodus, says it in Hebrew. He was no ordinary child. But imagine had Pharaoh been able to convince the midwives to birth it, to kill him instead of birthing him. See, this man named Moses, he's birthed by a midwife who defied the spirit of the world. And then this man named Moses, come on, you know his story. He rises up. He becomes the deliverer of Israel. A man named Moses goes on top of the mountain, and he comes down with the very word of God for the people. A man named Moses leads them to the premise of the, of the promised land. A man named Moses. You don't know what it is that you might be birthing. You don't know what's going down the road. Do you understand this morning that when you launch this goal, that down the road someday there are going to be... Uh, young men and young ladies who are going to be birthed out of there, who are going to have the spirit of a Moses, the spirit of a Joshua, the spirit of a Caleb, the spirit of a Gideon and a Samson. There'll be a spirit of David upon them. You will release mighty warriors. And warriors isn't a negative thing. How many know God is a warrior? And it doesn't, and it doesn't mean blood and guts and swords and all that stuff. No. The Bible says we're in a battle. We're in a war. We're in a struggle. And it's not against flesh and blood. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You're raising up warriors. You are midwives to birth what God is planting in this house. But my question is, will you be a midwife? Because it's going to take a number of things. It's going to, this is where we get all cushy because the music's in the background. Come on, man. Give me some. That's right. I, I, I know Jesus did that. Hey, Peter, get the, get the keyboard. Such a mess. One time, my worship leader, Pastor Troy, does a great job. Does a great job. Texted me one morning. He said, "Just so you know, if you're closing and you want a closing song, we don't have a drummer today." I said, "Okay." I said, "You know, Paul, that, that reminds me, Troy. 
The story of Paul and Silas, when they were beaten and put in jail, put in stocks and just beat the death out of them after casting a slave girl, the little demon out of a slave girl. And all of a sudden at midnight, Paul said, hey, Silas, let's have a song. Let's sing. Let's sing praise to God. Can't Paul, he got no drummer. <laughs> oh, a hot mess. Listen to me. Here's the question. Will you be a midwife to come along this vision? Will you be one that says, I'll give my time? Because midwives, it demands time. Will you give your talent? Will you give your money? June 5th, you're giving money. Let me tell you what I know about babies. They cost money. Especially if you're the grandpa. My wallet, see my wallet? You know what this is? This is an Avenger wallet. Spider-Man, Iron Man, Thor, Captain America. Say, why'd you, why do you have one of those? Because my grandchildren think I have, my wallet has superpowers. <laughs> one, one, one day I was in the store, I needed a new wallet, and I saw that. That's the one I'm getting. <laughs> Will you be a midwife? Will you come alongside the vision, the seed that was planted in 2013? Will you come alongside of it with your time, talent, and your treasure? Will you come alongside of it in prayer? Will you come alongside of it and not try to dictate what's in the womb? Will you come alongside of it? There will be attacks against this man. It's just the way it is. It's because he's special. Trust me, he does enough of his own dumb stuff, Okay. But make no mistake about it, I've been around this gig long enough to know there's spiritual attacks on leaders so that what God wants to birth doesn't get birthed. And then it'll come against other ways and other places in the church. But you have a calling, whether you like it or not. If this is your home church, you got a calling. And your calling is kind of like this. The whole is pregnant. But now out of that, all of you are midwives. And there's things that only you can do that you need to do to help birth this baby. It's amazing. I've seen this so many times. Let me show you a couple things and I'll be done. promise. Like another two hours or something. I see so many times in the local church where there is a disconnect. And there's a disconnect between what I would call those who are to be midwives and the spiritually pregnant. And it comes from a number of reasons. The pregnant, the pregnant don't appreciate the midwives or those who want to help birth something. The, the midwives don't appreciate the pregnant and vice versa. The midwives don't like what the leaders or the church is pregnant with. You don't dictate what's in the womb. God does. I say that very boldly. They don't like what's being birthed. Therefore, they won't help it. They won't support it. And they'll even times try to destroy it. And if they can't destroy it, they'll try to pollute it. The midwives end up with a spirit of jealousy on them. Imagine you're a midwife in, in Egypt. You don't have any kids, but you've got to keep help birthing babies. You think maybe the spirit of resentment and jealousy might rise up in your heart? I think it would. Oftentimes, the pregnant and the midwife talk different languages. They don't understand each other. But I'll say this to you. There is a pregnancy. That pregnancy began in 2013. 
that baby's been in the womb, and now it's being birthed. And now we need the warrior midwives to rise up so that you can birth warriors through that school. My question is, will you be a midwife? Will you be a midwife to this vision? Will you be a midwife and help birth this baby? Because I promise you this, if you will, blessing comes to your life. If you will, there will be young men, young women raised up out of that school who will be Moses, David, Joshua, Caleb, man with a different spirit, Gideon. They will be raised up, and you will have had a hand in it. Come on, stand with me. That's what I want you to do. As Brett plays his background music. I just want to pray over you, and I'll be done. But if you'll say this morning with me, because I'm going to tell you something. I know like, I'm not pregnant here. I'm not the midwife here. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like Pappy. You know, there's the kid. I'm kind of like Pappy coming along here, right? But if you'll say with me, if you'll say to me, and you'll commit this morning and say, you know what? I get it. I get it. I want to be a part of this. I want to be a midwife. I want to make sure this baby's birth. I want to make sure it's strong. I want to make sure it's whole. I want to make sure it fulfills the vision for which God has purposed it in the womb. If that's you, I want you to come up here because we're going to pray, and I'm going to pray over you right now. So let's go. I, I, I ran out of my time. I don't have a lot of time to waste. If that's you, come on. Come on. Come up here and join me. I know. I'm not a big space up here. Somebody said, I ain't going up there. I don't have to go up there. That's okay. I'll pray for you back there too. But I'm going to tell you something. Hear my heart this morning. I've been around this long enough and I've seen the picture in Scripture. It's funny. You know what's funny to me? I think these two ladies should have been mentioned in Hebrews 11. I think they should have been written in Hebrew, and wrote in Hebrews 11. Well, I'll tell you what. What's what they did demanded faith. What they did took a lot of courage. What they did took a lot of bravery. There would have been no Moses had there not been those midwives. So, Father, this morning in this house, there are those in this house that have heard the vision, seen the vision. They've got a glimpse of the baby. And they're coming alongside and saying, I'm going to help birth that baby. I, I don't know how. I don't know what. Some are going to do it with writing certain checks. Some are going to do it with talent. Some are going to do it with skills. Some are going to do it in prayer. Some are going to do it in whatever it is that God has given them a uniqueness in. But these are those who are saying, I will be a midwife. I will help bring into existence that which God has put in the womb. I will help bring about that which is supposed to be born. And Father, I pray pray that there would be a blessing come upon their life. Because it's not about them saying yes to CWC. It's about them fearing you, loving you, and saying yes to you and what you want to birth. This is a God-ordained moment. This is a God-ordained moment for this community. It is a God-ordained moment for this house. It is a God-ordained moment for children. And there are God-ordained moments in the future because of what will happen through this school. So, Father, each one of these people, I pray a blessing, strength. The Spirit of God will come upon them 
in a mighty fresh way. And when it's done, the people will be mighty and you will get glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Keith.